This show is furnished by The Cochrane Firm. KBCAM 790 Talk Radio. You are listening to A Nation Divided. We are coming to you live in this most tumultuous time from Culver City. I am sitting across from my best friend, Mr. James Oates. How are you doing, Mr. Oates? Man, I have never, I have not, I can't remember the last time I was this like mellow and relaxed. Traffic is like non existent, there's no smog. Everything I, I feel so like I can't refreshed actually from this week. Jim, there are two topless women in my living room right now, and one of them responds to the name of Amber. I, I, that I, should be enough to, I, to describe my I situation you, Brian, to you. I, I warned you about saying that on the air, uh, but you already did it. So well, it's over, no, man. I was going to do a wanting to do a public service announcement to anyone in the adult industry or stripper industry, but. The management had a problem with it here. Uh, they just wouldn't let me. I don't know. Something about insurance, they said. Uh, you I have a know sick mind, Brian. You have a sick mind. So, folks, listen. You know, we love you uh, here at A Nation Divided. Uh, this is something that we're doing to try to make light of what, for many people, is a pretty scary situation. And uh, this is our next and a continuing uh, series of episodes on the coronavirus and how it is affecting us and what practical solutions that we have available to us. And one of the things that we really want to do, folks, is we try to have our uh, finger on the pulse of what it is that people are actually feeling. And there are many things that aren't reported on the news. There are a lot of things that reflect people's emotional state now that aren't being reported. And when we start talking about the effect of the uh, coronavirus and all of these things on the economy and how the economic situation is really seemingly getting worse one of the things that people are concerned about are just basic practical things. Uh, how much money do you really have? Uh, how much can you can you hold out on? What's going to happen if you lose your job? Uh, what is? Will the, you lose your job? Yes. I mean, will you? Could you lose your job? And, you, you know, and if so, uh, how are you going to be able to to rebound? What is there for you? Uh, and how do you restart work? How do we get back to it? How do we make this thing? After we're done on the other side of this, what's it look like? Right. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about today, folks, is, you know, what does what do people really see as the long-term solution here? Uh, as Jim and I have alluded to in previous episodes, there's certain things that we believe we're not being told uh, as to the severity of this virus, as to how widespread it really is. And there's something that is inherently deceiving about the numbers, there are obviously way more cases that are being reported. There are obviously way more deaths that are being reported. And when we have a situation where we don't even really have the ability to test the members of our population, how far-reaching is this thing really? You got any thoughts on that, Jim? Well, I mean, I have so many different thoughts. But, the, you know, the thing that we were talking about before in, in talking about where does this thing ultimately go, to me, it kind of comes back down to the authority of the federal government, right, and of state and local governments as well. But this thing that I was reading before, we were talking about the Public Health Services Act actually passed back during the Roosevelt administration. Right. That's basically what empowers Health and Human Services, which is a department under the president, the only answer to the president, to essentially, I mean, this is what you, they can do. They can actually just walk up to you on the street, and if you have, if you're suspected of having one of a number of communicable diseases, they can 
take you into custody. They can take you away. They can keep you for a really long time. 72 hours. About it. Yeah, well, 72 hours before they even have to say whether you got something. So the point is they have a very broad set of powers. And, of course, going back to the thing of are we being told everything that – and, and folks, one of the things that Jim is talking about, and this is so important, is that he's referring to an act that has been in place long before this virus was even thought of. Yep, 1944. And, you know, as lawyers, as civil rights lawyers, and as people who have pretty much talked about the relationship between the government and the individual since we've started the program, the idea that the governmental power is now expanding just exponentially. And the things that can uh, occur vis-a-vis uh, -vis the government affecting the lives of the individual are somewhat unprecedented. And all of these things have been set in place a long time ago, but the manner in which they are going to be effectuated is always uh, in well, flux. Here's the practical application, right? Here's how it goes. So you got these test kits that we think are going to go out, and this is really great news that has just come out in the last couple of days, that they've got like this five-minute test. That's going to be awesome, right? And then everyone says, okay, right. great. We can all get tested. We can all go back to work. Okay, yeah, but how do we know that someone doesn't lie and say that, oh, yeah, I didn't have it after all? Or how do we know that the tests that you get in the mail are not scam or right. some sort of like inaccurate test, or maybe they're not even foolproof in the first place? Exactly. And all of that goes back to the Public Health Services Act. So like, what's the government going to do? Are they going to like keep track of like a database? of all of our names and say, those guys over there had it, these guys don't, and we'll let them go to work. Who's going to do that? And who manages that? And then what about your your like identity protection and you know your privacy? And what are they going to do? Just like post the names in the newspaper and say all of these people had it? I mean, these are big questions. So folks, we're going to be starting the discussion soon. And these are the basic questions that we want to ask everybody uh, because uh, I was uh, exposed uh, to a question, I was exposed to the coronavirus, but it was a person who asked me as a lawyer, look, somebody from my job, uh, she's a server. Yeah, that was a great question too that they asked Somebody you. from my job tested positive. I didn't know this person uh, within, you know, she wasn't like a friend, but she worked in a different shift than I do. Do I have a duty to tell everyone I know uh, that I may have been exposed to this? She didn't have it. She's not sick, no. as far as we know, but she was exposed, right? So one of the first questions, folks, is when we start getting into a practical reality here, we still probably haven't crested in terms of the total number of people who are going to have it in America and in uh, California and in L.A. What is the proper thing for a person to do, even if they have no symptoms at all, but they think that they may have been exposed to it? And we'd love to have your opinion, folks. You can reach us at 1-800-222-KABC, 1-800-222-5222. And that's going to really be the first question. What should a person do if they have not been diagnosed with this, but they're just having some form of symptom? And I think it would probably be good, Jim, if we could talk about what the cutting edge knowledge is right now with regard to what those symptoms are. Well, you know, there's a there's a bunch of YouTube videos. Everyone's watching YouTube videos. Everyone's YouTube who, University. Yeah, yes, exactly. Absolutely. Right? Neither one, neither you or I are, are scientists or even close to it. But, but you know, there is there, there's a lot of good reporting out there now. I was watching BBC had a great thing last night where they you they, can usually they, trust BBC. You can for really some trust BBC. They're actually really smart. Like you, I gotta say, hey, watch and don't turn your back on Al Jazeera. Yeah, I'm telling yeah, you. Anyway, I'm telling you, Al Jazeera for sure too, right? Right. And I, I, without naming any particular names or saying any network names, that you know, gosh, I mean, you watch our news and it's like, okay, we get a lot of this fluffy reporting and lots of pictures and lots of videos. And the BBC comes on and says, how do you know if you've got coronavirus? Blank. And they like do it. They say, dry cough, 
fever over 100 and some odd degrees, and they say, then how do you know that you don't have it? If you've got a runny nose and that's all you've got, or if you've just got a little bit of a cough every once in a while and that's all you've got, you probably don't have coronavirus. You just got a right. cold, right? So if you watch some of these YouTube videos, this one that's the Science Insider I thought was really great, it, it puts it pretty succinctly. And everybody already knows it's kind of general knowledge that you can get this coronavirus thing and it's like 2 to 14 days. That's what this video says. Right. Right? It reinforces that, that 2 to 14 days you could have it walking around, you don't even know you're sick. And then after maybe, say, that period, 2 to 14 days, you're going to know you're sick or not, right? And it could be bad or it might not be bad. But the thing is you could you could be sick. There's such a great percentage of, of, of uh, just scenarios in which you can be sick but not be sick with this. Right, exactly. And now what's happening is anyone who is sick with anything – is assuming that they have we, this, and they're, we, and they're bombarding the emergency rooms, and they're, bomb, and they're really— We talked about it last week. The CDC sent out—I think it was L.A. County Health Department guidance to our hospitals here to say only test people for coronavirus if it would actually change the way you're going to treat them. In other words, don't just test everybody because they didn't have enough test kits, right? So, but, folks, we, uh, yes, we'd love to have your opinion on this, and this is just a discussion. Is that w What do you think would be the most proactive measures? I mean, obviously, we're following dutifully everything that we're told— uh, but we got to think in terms of, are you going too far if you're calling everyone you know saying that I may have been exposed to this thing, creating a panic when the chances of it actually uh, being true may not be that great? We'd love to have your thoughts, folks. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. Once again, 1-800-222-5222. When is that magical time? When we are supposed to actually proactively report this, we're going to talk about this and other questions when we get back from the break, folks. Stay healthy out there. Welcome back, folks. We are KBC Talk Radio 790 at Nation Divided. I am Brian Thomas Dunn, sitting across from my best friend, Mr. James Oates, trying to make sense of such tumultuous times that we now find ourselves in. And as we move forward into uh, what is obviously no longer the beginning uh, of this crisis, we start asking ourselves, well, what is the end going to look like? When is this going to be over? Now, I don't realistically think that we're all going to be going to church on Easter Sunday. I hope that could be possible. I don't know if it is or if it isn't. Uh, but at the same time, at some point, what this is going to boil down to is there's going to be a situation where this plateaus. And we have almost a, a just a wonderful statistical model for the progression of this disease in, the, in a very worst case scenario, and that's China. And if you do a lot of research about China, you're going to see that it caught them off guard at the beginning. They were a little slow to respond, but they shut the government shut it down. down. Yeah. They just shut they, it down. They shut down that province and they shut down half of their country, which, I mean, that's, you know, like they, they have like what, what 1.2, 1.4 billion? Billion with a billion. I mean, they've got, yeah, they got a lot of people. And a billion saying, is a thousand million. I think the number it. that I saw was that 760 million individuals were locked down in their homes in right. one province or another. And we're, I think the American population is around 350 million or so. Million right now. So we're a lot smaller. Uh, are we headed towards a total shutdown? Uh, but at some point, something is going to happen. I have to make this thing just crest. Now, what is the reality for us as people? Obviously, folks are scared. Uh, we're getting conflicting leadership on many ways, conflicting information from the leadership. Uh, California responds differently than other states. 
There's, uh, I, I, I just heard something, and I haven't ever been able to vet it, but, but that like in Tennessee, they're still allowing people to go to restaurants like right. as of right now. And that, that kind of seems – I mean if all the other states have kind of fallen in line. I mean I get like saying, well, let's look at the evidence, but you know, social distancing, kind of hard to do in a restaurant, you know, sort of makes sense to play it safe for a little while, right? Yeah, but you got to think about it, Jim. You know, we run a law firm. What is the cost of unemploying large amounts of people? I mean, what is the cost of furloughing folks? What is the cost of, bur- of burdening the unemployment uh, insurance system? Well, what is the cost of actually curing this thing? Those are, those are valid questions. We were talking about that two weeks ago. We were talking about it last week. But I think now, looking at it, you've got to say, okay, well, here would be the cost of not doing it. People would still not be working, and you would still have unemployment because they'll get sick. And then they'll be sick. They'll be sick for 14 or 21 days. And on top of that, if enough people get sick all at once— We'll run at ICU beds. Now, the thing about the and mor- that is the the most that is the, the mortal- that is the doomsday that's, scenario. That's the doomsday scenario. That's the mortality rate. Like we were, you and I were talking about it earlier. We were looking at that thing between Germany versus Italy, right? Right. So you've got Germany. They're talking right now like a mortality rate that's below one percent, but they tested like five hundred thousand people like right away. They got really hard on it. The average person, the average age of a, a case in Germany, I think, it was forty five. Is what we read. Yeah. And then you compare that to Italy. They're at like a ten percent mortality rate. But they've got like one-fifth the beds that Germany has, and they have like one-fifth of the facilities, more or less same population. So, So folks, these are one of the questions we have. In terms of just how you're dealing with it on a daily basis, uh, do you feel that every person should be tested? Uh, As just – and again, you don't have to have any letters behind your name. We love saying that. You don't have to be someone who is an epidemiologist. You don't have to be someone who has dedicated their lives to public health. Just regular folks – that is really who we are most interested in hearing from, folks in your car. Most people obviously haven't been tested. Do you feel that there should be a requirement that every single person be tested for this? And if so, uh, would that do more harm than good? Uh, because the situation that we have now is somewhat paradoxical. If you go to an emergency room sick, the odds are you've already exposed quite a few people. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you're you're in pretty bad shape if you're going to the emergency room struggling to breathe. And you got to track them all down. Yeah, you got to know who it was. Absolutely. But at the same time, when you're feeling fine, does it really make sense to go to the trouble of actually getting tested for something that you may not uh, ever have a need to even burden the resources? That's the question, folks. If you'd like to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. Once again, 1-800-222-5222. And as we move forward, I think that there's going to be some breaking news soon, if not now, with regard to the president and the president's uh, address to the nation. I think that's what we're in a holding pattern for, yeah, was whether he was even going to make an address that they were going to quarantine New York. I just saw something come over the, the news flash thing over here that's that we have in the studio that said that uh, Cuomo basically said it would be like a declaration of war if he did that. I don't right. know what that means. but Well, yeah. still, what you have is more and more governmental power, and we've been kind of cool with it up to this point. But if it gets to be where people are actually breaking down your door, if it gets to be where and people are— And it could are, be. That's the thing oh, that I think yeah. people— Oh, yeah. Tell us about, Jim. Tell us about the situation with the woman that, that coughed on all that food in the, uh, in oh, the supermarket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Okay, okay so here's the thing. And, and this was a lady in Pennsylvania, and I'm sure people— Some people probably out there have, have heard this, but they may not know how it resolved. The woman's been charged with four felony counts. Straight up felonies. Yeah, felonies. Absolutely. She's got a $50,000 bail. Basically, she was the lady that went into this grocery store out of nowhere and started like 
coughing on like produce and coughing on bread and stuff. Intentionally coughing, coughing on food. Intentionally coughing, spitting on it, and then telling people she had coronavirus. So now they're calling that terroristic threat. But here's the thing, too. Like in, a, in the time right now where the grocery stores are having a hard time stocking food and the lady does it, that's right. it's like a it's a double whammy. It's not only she's making terroristic threats and they like biological agent, I think is what they said. Well, but, the question is, do you really think that she even had it or is she just cray cray? Yeah. And is this something that's just people... And they got to test her, and they're testing you right now. They don't know if she's got it or not, but what here's what they have to do. I heard it was like $30,000 $35,000 of the groceries they got to throw out because they can't take a chance. Yeah, that's going to be a felony in any man's world, yeah, actually. Exactly. Yeah, right. But the question is, is this something that is the result of hysteria, <laughs> or is it something that is basically uh, just to be expected? Now, if we look at the, the numbers in Los Angeles, we are uh, actually kind of low on the spectrum. We have 32 deaths. We have something like 1,864 cases. That is keeping us pretty well below the the actual. We're we're certainly uh, we're certainly not there yet. If we we're, have if enough. If we're going to get there, we're not there for sure. Yeah. But you also have to ask yourself how many people over this period of time would have died from the common cold and not coronavirus, and I think that you're probably going to have numbers that are even higher. Uh, but we'd love to hear your thoughts, Bill from South Bay. Thank you for being so patient. Uh, welcome to a nation divided, brother. How are we going to make sense of all of this? We are dying to know what you think. Well, first of all, we should take a page out of the the generation that went through World War II and the Depression and how they dealt with things then. And then the Cuban Missile Crisis and some of the things as an adult, they remained calm and patient. Always. And people like the people that came from the generation of, um, you know, Ernest Borgnine and and uh, Sidney Portier and Ricardo Montalban, all of three of whom I met, you know, when, uh, you know, over the years. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using them as an example of that generation. Older, well-respected actors. Yes, go ahead. Were, yes, yes, and and but they but the they represented a generation where people were calm and patient, and they didn't go around cussing and flipping out and acting stupid and immature like a lot of people that are the same age that they were then. Now, Amen. You're preaching to they, the choir. Uh, they, they, um, you know, um, I, uh, there are some ministers like Dr. David Jeremiah and Greg Laurie, who I really admire, who talk about this and they talk about the, you know, prophecy and things like that. And I, I think that this society is not going to survive if we don't get back to those values because we're raising up too many people that don't have those. Well, and that's and part of the problem. I can, I can completely connect with everything you're saying, yes, Bill. Thank you. Thank and you. this is exactly part of the heart of what has been creating issues now, is that we have a generation that hasn't really been through a lot of seriously difficult situations. No. And, you know, if you look at the amount of peacetime, for example, this is the last real major crisis, major crisis was 9-11. Right. And a lot of folks don't even remember that or, or didn't live through it. And this is now getting to be where you could have a response that is reflective uh, of just hysteria and and it's not reflective of just the cool calm we're going to see what happens and i really like how you picked uh ernest borgnine and cindy poitier because these are some of the most unflappable cool people you could possibly imagine and on the I other hand them, I, and I met cindy on the other hand i can't see that generation going i can't see large swaths of that generation saying you know what screw you guys i'm going to do what i want to do i'm going to go to the beach or whatever i'm going to I, I i think that if they were if the government said we need to do x y and z they'd, they'd go they'd stand in line and go okay yeah, exactly. Bill, we're not don't go crazy anywhere. about it, but we're going to do it. Yeah. One, one other point, yeah, if I can make one other point. Absolutely, Bill. Quick, here. yeah, sure. Here's something else that bothers me. 
there was a time when we didn't have homelessness um, to the degree that we have now, and we didn't have uh, encampments all over the place. Yes. How are you going to deal with the coronavirus when you have encampments out there that are breeding ground for diseases out there? Because if, when people are living in the street like that and they're not being taken care of, you know, things like that can 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 grow. Well, we're going to deal so, with it the way we've always dealt with it. And as an attorney, I can tell you that the homelessness problem that we had has gone up in direct proportion to the lack of government funding for mental health uh, issues and mental health diseases and mental health treatment. When we stopped putting money into that, that is when the homeless population started rising. And there is a saying that lawyers have, and it is really a frightening saying, which is that the biggest mental health facility in America is the men's central jail. It's the men's central jail, And what's going to happen is the folks are going to be incarcerated. And you're going to have people being incarcerated at a higher level. Now, thankfully, the the virus hasn't really erupted on a huge level uh, within any of the prisons that I'm aware of. Maybe a few cases. Partly because of the actions that Gavin Newsom took early on, right? About right. ordering jails to start releasing people 30 days. Right, but Bill, you, I really would like it if you'd hold for a minute. I just wanted to get to some of the other folks. Um, now, uh, Marcus from Phillips Branch. I guess the issue is, should we, Marcus, Marcos, do you think that we should really be testing every single American at this point? What are your thoughts, brother? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's probably a, a counterproductive because, number one, the younger people, uh, I've heard up to 70% of the people that get this uh, virus is going to survive. I think and it's then, as high as 80 it's, it's from what I've heard. Way, yeah. Yeah, way yeah, it's a little higher, higher than 70. Yeah, go ahead, Marcos. Yeah. yeah. So point number two is my negative test today means nothing tomorrow. It could, I could be positive Okay, tomorrow. wait a minute. Marcos, do you mind telling our listeners exactly how you got tested? I know it's not like a pregnancy so test I, because you're a guy. Did, okay. But can you tell Let us exactly what you had to do to get tested? I was only doing that as a hypothetical. Uh, yeah. Oh, I see. I thought you... I think what he's saying, though, I, mean, I, I read what he's saying, and this is the point that we, you and I were making earlier off the air, Brian, if I'm going to reiterate it from Marcos, is that let's say you get tested today and you go out. Well, five days from now, you can pick it up from somebody else. So what right. gets it test? And that's the question then. It brings up the question of what's the government going to do about that because that question has to be answered. Are they going to keep a database? Are they going to put like a stamp on your forehead that says you've been tested today and that was the de- expiration date? I mean, how are they going to do it? Well, and, and you know, that gets to be what is the right thing. Now, one of the things I'm always going to be sensitive to is, is rights and, and people's rights. Uh, Marcos, don't get anywhere. Dr. J from Orange County, we're going to start with you very briefly and we're going to have to break pretty quickly though, but... Before we go to the break, right. tell us a little bit about your thoughts, and we're going we're gonna to have to take a break pretty soon. But hit us, hit us real quick, doctor. Let us know what you think. Yeah, so uh, looking at everything, the ones who need to be tested are the patients who, who get admitted or are very sick. The rest, needs, they all, if they're healthy, their surrounding is healthy, they need to go back to work. Now, doctor, when we get back from the break, and we're going to take a short break, the question is going to be, if you were going to be talking to everyone in the nation, what would you tell them about when they should go to the hospital and when they shouldn't? Folks, we're going to have a short break here, and we're going to be right back dealing with all of these issues related to this microscopic organism that has everyone's proverbial panties in a bunch. We are going to survive, folks, and we're going to figure out how we're going to do that. We love you all, and we're going to be right back.
All right, welcome back, folks. Man, that's a smooth groove. See, that just... You are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you, A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B, B. <laughs> oh, man, just the levity. That's pretty funny. Uh, so, folks, listen, we are obviously dealing with some unprecedented times. It's been 100 years uh, in our nation's short history uh, that we've had a situation that even remotely approximates some of the decisions that we're having to make now on a macro level vis-a-vis our government, but also just individually how we're going to handle this thing. And one of the things that uh, several callers have alluded to, which is so true, is that fear usually seems to have a proportional relationship to the lack of information. And the more and more information we have, the more and more less fear. The fear kind of goes down. Uh, Dr. J, we cut you off. You are a medical professional. Uh, Tell us, when do you think it would be appropriate for a person to actually take the step of leaving their home, getting in their car, and going to what would undoubtedly be a crowded emergency room? When should they do this, doctor? Uh, Going to the hospital? Yes. Okay. So, uh, if they have a shortness of breath, high fever, they should be contacting uh, with cough. They should be contacting the doctor. And there are some lines, including 211, where people call in. But what uh, I have done, working through urgent care, uh, AME centers, and also in Orange County, that a lot of people have uh, flu-like symptoms, and it is difficult to tell. Doctor, can you tell us? Can you tell our listeners what would happen at a hospital that wouldn't happen at home? I mean, suppose they're not in a bed with a ventilator. What will be done for them at a hospital yeah. that will not happen if they just stay at home and keep eating cookies? So, uh, number one, if uh, they need uh, supplemental oxygen, they won't be able to have it at home. All right. If they are dehydrated for whatever reason. They can't. Yes. Uh, same thing if they need to have some CPAP or a ventilator or some other... CPAP, you're talking about breathing. Help breathing. Yes. monitoring, it will be difficult at home. Doctor, yeah. I can't thank you enough for talking to our, our listeners. And folks, what we're really dealing with is, is, is this is a thing that attacks your, your respiratory system. So if you're having really bad nausea, it's not the same. If you're having uh, a lot of the symptoms that are not related to... Uh, I think that the common denominator is if you have a fever and you're having shortness of breath and and coughing, dry or that coughing, continuous dry cough. Yeah, you might yeah. be you might be in a situation. But the question is, and we're going to get to Matt in just a second. Everybody who's holding me to get to you, should we actually have a situation in our nation where every single person is required to be tested? Should we expend the resources that are necessary to do this to wrap our arms around this? We want to know what your thoughts are, folks. You can always join the discussion at 1-800-222-5222, 1-800-222-KBC. During the week, you can reach us at nationdividedradio.com. Uh, we think every single person's opinion matters a lot. Uh, Daniel, hold just one second. Matt from Camarillo, you've been holding for quite a while. I wanted to thank you so much for being so patient. Welcome to A Nation Divided. Hey, we are dying to know what you think, brother. Well, uh, based on the last question you asked about should everybody get tested, um, you know, I think in certain circumstances that seems logical, but at the same time, you know, with, with most of the discussion I've been hearing is like some people think they have it, some people don't know, the right. information is not really there. But right. but ultimately, if this was a, a definite death sentence, like if you get this, there's no chance for you, I could understand the mass population should be tested. Matt, right. let me ask um, you a question. Do, do yes. you think that if there were 
test kits that you could actually buy as an individual and you could test yourself at home. Do you think that the FDA should allow people to do that? Like right now, they're currently not allowing that. Do you think that that should be allowed? If we can buy it, we should be able to test ourselves? Well, even if it is allowed, it kind of gives you a false sense of security. I think Good your point. last caller talked about maybe you get tested today, but tomorrow you're exposed and you can get it tomorrow, but you don't have the test tomorrow. And so you're going to test yourself every day. I mean, you know, it, it just, you go down this rabbit hole, I think, of this uncertainty. You know, the Bible teaches us not to live in fear. Right. And um, I believe, I believe that be strongly, yes. Smart. Yeah, you know, that, we can be a little bit smarter about how we interact in public, you know, right. washing our hands more frequently. Absolutely. And Matt, I am so bathroom. happy uh, that you brought up the Bible. I can tell you, just in terms of my personal life, I've dealt with, a, you know, quite a few crises. The concept of fear is something that I have learned to just avoid at all costs. Yeah. Just do every single possible thing you can to avoid the sensation of being well, afraid. When you, when you get afraid, it narrows your focus, right? And you, you can't think broadly. You, you stop. All the rational thought goes right. And way. anger is a very close second to that. Yes. And you have to kind of keep control of it. But at the same time, you need something to get people to act. And we still have quite a few parts of the nation where we're not thinking with a common voice. Uh, Jim was talking about some situations in, in uh, Tennessee and in the South where they're just not following these rules. Uh, there have been uh, many... Uh, theories as to how Italy got to be in the situation that it is, which right. is the worst place on earth uh, right now. And they, they vary from the fact that they didn't take the, the warning seriously to the fact that there was just a huge influx of Chinese immigrants that had it that just overburdened their yep, system all at once. Theory, yeah. But at the same time, Daniel, I mean, I mean Matt, we're, we're looking at a situation where uh, we do have to alert the people to the fact that this is something to be taken seriously and say we're not going to be testing everybody. What do we do to really let people know that still aren't taking it seriously, that this is not just your average everyday uh, cold. What do you think should be done, Matt? Well, I think the fact that there isn't a vaccine for it should alarm everybody uh, to be a little bit more cautious about, you know, just the, the simple hygiene things. You know, you can go the whole flu season and, you know, you know, everybody around your holiday parties getting sick and then somehow you don't get sick. Well, you, you know, if you're conscious about hey, who am I interacting with, um, just, just little self-awareness tips that I think the CDC has laid out for us. Uh, Absolutely. We don't all need to get tested in this situation. Uh, we just need to be a little bit more uh, aware of our surroundings, you know. I mean, one of the things that really is frustrating is, you know, my mother's in her 60s, and mm -hmm. I, I would just give a million dollars just to give her a hug right now, you know. Right. I feel like there's right. just no way, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, but how long does this last? Like, this is not a way to live. This isn't what America's about. Well, yeah, yeah, my mom um, is going to be 80 in, in next month, and I, I just went over there, and she was, like, spraying my hands with alcohol. And I was just going, come on, Mom, it's me. And she's like, you can't be too careful. So that makes me realize that she's going to outlive everyone on the planet. But at the same time, there does have to be a certain quality of life that we take into consideration. Uh, Matt, don't go anywhere. Daniel, you've been holding for quite a while. Welcome to A Nation Divided. And folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, we'd love to hear your voice. The issue is, should we actually basically test every single person? Uh, is that something that people are advocating? It is, of course, the one way to know exactly how many people have it. Uh, but are we going to do more harm than good? Uh, and is this something that we should work towards? Should every single American be tested? Daniel, uh, what are your thoughts in general about this strange crisis and what can we do to make sense of it? Okay. Well, I mean, I've got a few thoughts. First of all, I want to commend you guys. I think you guys are having a very educated and intellectual uh, conversation here, a forum that you guys have opened up. So many people you, are acting so irrationally. Thank you so much, Daniel. E emotionally and illogically. And we all have to use common sense here and be grounded. And I think 
it's okay to think outside of the box, not be drawn into specific conclusions, and be right. open-minded, because I right. think then collectively we can maybe make you know better decisions. You right. know, I, I Excellent think point. What we, yeah, what we really need to do here is make the right decisions. A couple of thoughts I have. First off, the CDC botched the initial testing big time. Yeah, most um, people don't know about that. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Frieden, who was the former director of the CDC from 2009 to 2017, he, he said, I can't believe something went wrong. There needs to be an independent assessment. Uh, there's a doctor, how do you say the word, epidemiologist? Epidemiologist, right? yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right, right. Uh, from Harvard University, and he said uh, two days ago, that in the world of viruses, this is not that complex. Right. And also talking about the CDC, so that's over with and done. We can't we can't do anything sure. about what the CDC has done or why we have lack of test kits test kits in the United States. One way that South Korea has been able to contain this, they did mass testing. Right. I don't think people need to be necessarily tested. Germany did it okay. too. Yeah, right. Germany did the exact same thing, and that's why Germany is seeing this really uh, very very low curve. I guess they call it. Yeah. Right. And when you say mass testing, Daniel, do you mean every single person, or just uh, what? What exactly well, is meant by that? I, I think, and I'm not maybe you know don't quote me 100 percent on this, but my take on it, and I've been trying to kind of do my due diligence and try to have facts before I you know speak about it. But in, in South Korea, in the areas that had blared up where there were real red zones like we have in New York City, I think they were doing mass testing on everyone, tests where they could get the results within 45 minutes so they can contain it. Then they can quarantine people so they right. don't go from province to province to province. Now, I don't think the same people should be tested every single day, but I think mass testing, if we have it logistically, it's available. I think it's a good idea. What they also did in South Korea they would test the same people a week later or the same area three days later or five days later. So maybe people were tested. Well, we just don't have we don't day, have in America. We don't have the ability to do that. And that, that's right. something that's that uh, has been it's coming. Committed. They're, they're going to do it. It's coming, but we're a little behind the curve yeah. on that. And we just right. don't have the ability to do it. But this is the real question, Daniel. Suppose a person uh, is, is ex they're kind of on the borderline. They're not feeling that great. These may be symptoms, may not. Should a person just not get tested because they don't want to be quarantined? And just say, listen, no. I'm going to take the chance that I don't have it because I don't want to go in and have my life turned upside down by, you know, being someone that is marked as a carrier of this. Well, I think that's very selfish. And I think, you know, we can get all a little paranoid. Is this going to be put in a database? Are we lo losing our civil liberties? And that's happened a long time ago, by the way, Daniel. Just right, so right, you know, right. I'm an attorney and I... <laughs> I, know, I know, but You're I'm already on a database, now. brother. Yes. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Hey, I'm in California. So, you know, our governor wants to shut down the state till July 1st, 8 to 12 weeks, which right. I think is... It might be overboard. But anyway... But if you do, if you are tested and we do mass testing and you come up positive that you have it, well, at least that way you can self-quarantine yourself and, and, you know, and stay at home for a couple of yeah, weeks. You know, so, it's, you know, it's funny. That is a good point. You know, he's got a good people. point. I've heard a lot of people say that they, they think, oh, well, you know, people will just lie about it. I, I disagree. I actually think that, yeah, you get people that are outliers that are irresponsible, get the crazy lady. But I think most, I mean, a vast majority of people. If they found out they had coronavirus, they'd self-quarantine. I think they would do it. Yeah, but would I they, uh, would they want everyone to know that they have it is the question. No, and uh, the you were telling me a story a little bit about a, a person that had told everyone that they had it. Oh, it was like, the, like the, the, the man and the woman that were the first uh, two people to have it in West Virginia, right? That was the You the, already know the, there's the, some the, issues with West yeah, Virginia. Well, it, uh, here's Anybody ever see those. that movie Deliverance? No, anyway, come anyway, on. Keep going, Jim. Come on. I'm always going to go back. That wasn't West Virginia. It's kind of similar. You're totally wrong about that. All right, keep going. 
move on. But no, they, that they, was Georgia. Yeah, but, but keep going. But they were talking. You know, that was a whole big story because they uh, West Virginia was saying for a long time they didn't have any cases and these people were sick for a long time. But she basically had in this little news report, this little interview she did. I saw that she said, "Hey, I told my friends. Some of my friends were really supportive, but other people said." How dare you do that to us? And I'm like, right. how is that her fault? I mean, and she didn't even know she You've got had, a right? 90-something, 5 to 7% chance of living anyway. And they're going to hate you for having it. All right, we're going to have to take a short break. When we get back, this is the question. Should more people be tested? Should everyone be tested? What is the responsibility of our average Americans to each other about how we're going to deal with this crisis? If you'd like to join with the discussion, we'd love to hear your voice. Well, 1-800-222-5222. 1-800-222-KBC. And guess what, folks? You're all gonna live. You have my word. Welcome back, folks. We are coming to you live from Culver City. And no, we are not in an underground bunker. I think you should be tested, Brian. I want you tested. Man, I'm worried I have about, to sit here in the radio I'm station with you. I'm frankly worried about testing tested. positive for other things considering my conduct in the last 72 hours. <laughs> I don't have coronavirus symptoms, but I have mathematically probable to have contracted something, but we're not going to worry about all those issues now. Uh, Bill from South Bay. I wanted to get your opinion before we move on, and we're going to get to everybody who's holding. Do you think that there should be mandatory testing, yes or no, of every American, please? Bill? All right, Bill, I think take we care of yourself. Him. Matt from uh, Camarillo, to, I wanted to get back okay, to you. Yeah, go, back, go back to Matt. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think that, I know that you're for precautions, and I know that you have a very clear head on your shoulders, uh, but do you think that this is something that should be mandatory? No. Okay. <laughs> I tend to agree with you, and I just, for all of the reasons that are in my heart, I do. I just don't, I have issues when the government takes too much power. I just, you know, they ask, why well, are you yeah. against the death penalty? It's because I don't want the government killing people. Right. And why, do you, why do you hate police? And, and, uh, not, and not only just taking power, but taking it at the executive level. In other words, right. there's like not even like specific laws about this. A lot of the stuff are like just executive orders. And folks, you don't have to be a constitutional scholar like myself, but the thing that makes us beautiful as Americans is that we have mastered uh, the concept of separating the individual and the government. It is written into our DNA as a nation that there are certain things that the government just can't do. Those things are going out of the window right now. In fact, with regard to what the national government can do, you have a situation where the Trump, who is, who is notoriously vocal about his uh, opposition to his enemies, he's been having problems with New York since day one. Yeah, And he right. doesn't like Cuomo since day one. And that, there's they, about to be a turf like war. They like they don't like each other, yeah. Well, it's, it's about to be a turf war because who's going to have the authority to do right what? Now. Yeah. what? And tell us about the law, Jim. Well, Cuomo. so here, and yeah, here's the thing that just so that people are clear on what's happening right now, we just saw the next thing come over the flash in the news feed that Cuomo says that he'll sue the federal government if he has to, that this would be a declaration of war if they quarantine all of New York State. Now, here's how it works. I mean, it's 42 CFR 70.6 talks about the apprehension and detention of persons with quarantinable communicable diseases. So right. this goes all the way back to the Public Health Services Act. Congress passed some laws back in 1944 that empowered basically the president through his Department of Health and Human Services right. to make laws that apply to this stuff. So that single act empowered the president and the executive branch to do this. And you, you see, the president we have today has completely redefined the concept of executive power well, because I, he's constantly pushing the envelope. And here's what it says can be done. Here's what it says. An individual is reasonably believed to be infected with quarantinable communicable disease and is suspected of moving or about to move from a state into another state. An yep. individual an individual may or stopping someone who may be moving from a state into another state. An individual. So what the federal government can do is it can stop 
individuals from moving between state to state. And I think it kind of goes back to the interstate commerce concept. Yeah. But they can't, I don't think, just say a whole state can't well, move to another. It could be gerrymandering right? too because what if it's only Democrats that are being relocated? <laughs> I'm just telling you, then what will I have? <laughs> could I have another problem? Don't put that past anybody. Seriously. Okay, Matt, thank you so much for everything. We're going to move back to uh, Terry from San Pedro. Thank you so much for holding Terry. Uh, welcome to the discussion. Uh, we are dying to know what you think about this subject and how are we going to make sense of this, Terry? Please tell us. Not sure about making sense of it, but I do not believe everyone should be tested. I believe if someone has some symptoms, right, the various symptoms that are available. Well, we heard the doctor talking about symptoms, Terry, and I'm not going to cut you off anymore, but we heard the doctor talking about some symptoms, and you know, he's saying that there's basically, if you're having trouble breathing, if you've got a fever, should it get that far? What do you think, Terry? Well, absolutely, if you're running a high temp, I don't know, anything over 100, 102, 103, for sure, yeah. I'm going in to get tested. Right. Um, sort of cough, that would that would be another symptom. Um, difficulty breathing, wheezing. Yeah. It's, all, it's all the things that have been spoken about. It's just that it's, it's logistically impossible to test everybody. And like someone else, <coughs> excuse me, I had something in my mouth. Like someone else said, tomorrow you go out and you're near someone within six feet or whatever, and you pick it up and you think you're off scot-free, but no, you're going to pick right. it up with that. Well, you also got to think about every time I've ever been in an emergency room, I have thought to myself, I am going to be sicker when I leave this place than Absolutely. when I came. And you started hearing everybody and their babies are coughing and everybody's going crazy. And but then are, that comes that comes back to the thing of what if, and it kind of looks like they're going to, what if we have this way of testing that's almost like you can basically do it in real time every day, anytime you want. Then should we make people do it? I don't know. Maybe there should be more like a carrot and a stick, but it, it would make sense if we've got the capacity. Right? Well, Angela from San Fernando has some very strong opinions in that regard. Angela, do you think everyone should be tested? Why? Okay, well, I'm not quite sure about the mandatory, but I do feel that it should be readily available to whoever wants it, only because not everybody's going to have the symptoms. You can yes. have it and not even have the symptoms. See, I like what's what the you're point? saying. Yeah, I like what she's saying. Yeah, that's like the spirit think, of America. I yeah, right. Crucial. If you want to test yourself, that's you should crucial. be able to do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I yes. Like yes. That's it. So, Angela, let me ask you a question. Were you yes. around during, uh, for example, the? There was a flu pandemic that was in the, was it in the uh, 2008, 2009, the, the SARS? Were you around when that happened? Yeah, absolutely. And I was even around when, uh, remember, T when, you know, when there was a T, when TB was a big outbreak, they even yeah, made a sanitarium in Silmar. Right. You know, TB. And wow. Then there, there were, yeah, okay. All of you, I worked at all That's of you hospitals. Yeah. All of you hospital was built primarily for people with TB to get them away there from the There was a society, lot of right. country that community. way. Yeah. Hospitals and, yeah. and there were a lot of folks that were saying that it was immigrants yeah. and it was people from uh, Mexico. And I'm not going to tell you something, folks. Well, regardless yeah. of what your policies are on immigration, illegal or otherwise, you never want to take a position that public health uh, testing or public health administration is bad. Because even if the person is not a documented American, if they are working in the kitchen at one of the restaurants you that tested. you go to, you yep. are going to have wanted them yep. to be tested, that's whether right. you realize it or not. Yeah. And so that's yeah. one of the things. But, yeah, that's a while. So you think, Angela, do you think that we're going too far in terms of where we are and our approach to this? Well, you know, it's hard to say because you hear different things. It depends on what, you know, what doctor you're listening to, what station you're listening to. What in your heart do you believe, make, Angela? Yeah. I trust you. What yeah. do you believe? Okay, I believe that um, we're going a, a, little, a little extreme 
I'll tell you what's really bothering me is, is that I'm not able to see my grandchildren right now. That just is They're afraid to be around me. So if I could get ready, if I could have a test readily available and then prove to them, hey, I'm fine, or prove to them I'm not, of course I don't want to be around them if I have it. I'd never want any harm to come to them. But if I could find out, then it would be, you know, this not being around each other would it's be bad. It's so needless. Angela, if, if you fine. were my grandmother, you would get the biggest hug ever. Okay, I just wanted to let you know. If you don't have coronavirus. No, if you don't I, have coronavirus. See, I'm not as worried you about it. you got to test yourself first, man, last year. That's why, yeah, and that's why I think it should be readily available for those who want it. And I, I think we have the resources to do it. I don't know why it's not being done. Believe me, I'm baffled by that. Thank you, so, thank much, you so much, Angela. Guys. Thanks, Angela. I can't thank you enough. You know, last year somebody told me I have stage 3 cancer. And after you get told something like that, it changes your there, reality, are, there aren't too many things that yeah. you're afraid of hearing coming from. Like, this is a hypothetical thing. Yeah. You know, right. you might have. And I, I beat it, by the way, folks, for those of you who may be listening. But still, this is the type of thing that, you know, how, whatever, really, even if you do have it. Yeah. It's such a vast majority of chances that you're not going to succumb to it. And even if you somehow go to the hospital sick, there's still a very good chance you're not going to succumb to it. Uh, we wanted to get to Al from Pasadena real quick. Don't have a whole lot of time, but I wanted to hear your thoughts, brother. Thank you for calling and thank you for holding. Uh, we're dying to know oh, what you great. think on this. Great. Uh, I love this uh, program. Uh, you're asking a very uh, necessary question. Uh, I think we'd miss the boat if we uh, utilize this testing to just to make uh, grandmothers feel good about being next to their kids. Right. We have the opportunity to gather statistics. I hear different statistics depending on different stations or right. what country they come right. from. We right. have an opportunity yeah. to gather statistics from the testing of how many people test positive out of a given population. How many really have it, right? Exactly. Out of a right. People, how many people tested positive? And then how many people die? Yep. How many had symptoms? How many people were in the hospital? Symptoms, how yep. many actually died? Everybody right. wants to know that. Yeah. yeah, and that's the problem. It's so difficult for them to do those numbers right now, essentially because right. there's such a long period of time between the time a person gets it, that gets sick, and then could potentially die or could and, recover. And so. they usually really only figure well, out numbers yeah, like that until years wrong. later. Yeah, go ahead, Al. I'm sorry, you cut you off. Go ahead. What'd you say? It's, it's only days, not not years or months. Well, but there, here's the, th the the question is though, like you said, if you take a population of 100 people. Yeah, hundred people. Uh, let's just take a hundred people and say all hundred people get it. One person gets sick in two days. One person gets sick in fourteen days. The person that got sick and went to the hospital might not recover for three months. The other person recovers in two weeks because you can't just know exactly what date that exactly. was. It's hard. And I well, like I'm what he's saying. About yeah. this as a, I'm not talking about this as some instant thing. It's it's like we missed the boat if we just randomly throw these test kits out for people who you know want to know if their neighbor's okay or whatever. Right. Right. We have a chance to get real and, hard data. And, you know, we have to use the resources no, that we have. Al, listen, i got to shut you down right now. Unfortunately, Thanks, we could have talked to you for calling. the whole hour. And, Matt, thank you so much for calling. Folks, you got to just remember this. This is, this is a very famous quote that was told to me. And they said that whenever there's a crisis, all you really have is how you acted during that crisis. In other words, the only thing that you have to go on is how you acted during it. Right now, I think that's the issue we should all be asking ourselves. Are we going to have the social contract absolutely disintegrate uh, based on fear? Uh, and if so, how could we allow that to happen uh, in light of the facts that we have? It's still not any toilet paper in the grocery stores. I mean, <laughs> you get to, it's yeah, still, well, I, no. still missing toilet paper. I mean, come on, man. There you have it. And um, 
Nevertheless, folks, uh, we just so happy to share this time with you. We're going to be back next week talking about some of the same things, hopefully. I want you to keep your head up, folks, because there's less of a chance of you dying of this than being abducted by a terrorist at this point if you live in L.A. County. If you live in L.A. County. However, every single life in this nation matters to us. And, folks, even if we disagree with you, we want you to know one thing. We love, love you, you all. all. Be safe out there, and we're going to talk next week. This show is furnished by The Cochrane Firm.